0: Jobs were far and few between up here in Taitungido, and uh, and even if you did have a job, it was a low-paying labouring job anyway. So the desire to be to do better and to create a
1: better, I guess, lifestyle for ourselves. 1990 was obviously a pivotal year. Every, with that, um, particularly the presence of waka um, and the mukul played a big part. Um, and I was doing teacher training, one-year teacher training, and I met people that would would all become important, actually, Robert Yonke and Derek Lardelli. That's, well,
2: that's what drummers in Ngare will say, sharp and ready, boy, sharp and ready. And that's through all uh, Ngāreo drummers. Whether you're playing the side drum, whether you're playing the bass drum, it's sharp and ready. Because, you know, if one of our drummers are out, and there's been a lot of times of that, um, where our drummers are out,
3: What
4: do you say to those who want to learn the language? Oh, just don't hesitate. My son and daughter in law, both Pākehā, they've just taken it up this year. Um, So I think everyone in my family has either learnt or um, are learning. Enga ngā iwi o te motu,
3: ko koutou e whakoronga mai ana nō tā wahi, piki mai, no kake mai ki tēnei o ngā kaupapa. He paku mōhio ki te ao Māori. Ko Justine Murray ahau, ko autā kai whakarite mō tēnei wahanga arā kō te ahikā. Koe nei te wahanga tō muri mō te tau ngā huru marua. Welcome to the final show of the year. This week we feature highlights of stories we've covered over the past 12 months, from a Northland whanau run business to a rungoa Māori business looking to export overseas, and we explore the Te Riu Māori and Tāmoko community. Anote katoa kua pene o wai a Me etahi atu o oro. Naira Temehi. This is Tiahika on RNZ. Awanui in the Northland region is home to Kaiora Honey. At the helm of the business is Blanche Morrow, a witty entrepreneur who has shared the story of Kaiora with business audiences around the country. Her father, Rāpene Murray, started the business, but his wife and children took it over after his untimely death. Tiahika visited Awanui and the thriving Kaiora Honey
0: business. (laughs) This is my brother Sobieski, who's uh, driving around on our outside forklift outside our main shed. And over there is my husband Liam. Liam! We're just doing a bit of maintenance on some equipment outside. Might not want to film that, <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, we're just reorganising outside. About 20
3: minutes outside of Kaitaia is Awanui, the home of the Fano business, Kaiora Honey. Blanche Morrow jokes around with her cousin as she takes me on a tour.
0: And um, I don't want to take a video of two today at the bin. (laughs) Come and hide somewhere else.
3: (laughs) The story of kaiora honey begins with an entrepreneurial whanau who knew a thing or two about the land, about beehives and producing honey. Blanche's father, Rāpene Murray, was the youngest of 13 kids. He passed down his knowledge of the burgeoning honey industry at a time when manuka honey prices were soaring. He seized an opportunity and set up a business which he would pass on to his children. His foresight resonated with Blanche, in addition to the guidance of her kuia, the late Sana Waitai Murray.
0: Something that we've learnt, I guess, from her is that not to give up too easy um, and that there's a bigger picture other than ourselves, you know, and that this um, what we're doing is not just for us as individuals, but it's also contributing to our iwi so, all our hives, so we have just over, oh just under 2,000 hives. Um, some of those are um, not, not 100% all ours. Um, we do have some partnerships with some really good people that works in our favour in terms of our strategy. Our hives are placed from right up at Kapo Wairua uh, all the way down to South Hokianga, um, and from time to time we'll take them down to Taupo. Um, uh Wanganui area um, We haven't done that for the last two years and that's mainly because we've had a different focus around um, spending quality time with our whanau um, here over that Christmas New Year period As uh, we start to expand and develop again um, and get through some of the hurdles that we've been going through we'll probably start merging back to that again So yeah, Our honey is brought in and stored and so that's all honey from this season um, and over there is also more honey from this season. Uh, and the, it t- towards the back is all our um, wet hives, I guess what we like to call wet um, honey supers that will go out throughout the flow um, to collect more honey. And um, this equipment here is to be uh, uh, sorted through and um, either discarded, um, because we try to standardise all our gear, um, and replace with new equipment.
3: Kia ora, Blanche Morrow. From Te Tai to Ngāti Kahungunu, Hastings, where Ha Ratana Band calls home. In our first episode of the continuing series, Behind the Blazers, we travelled to Motio Pa and Puketapu to get an insight of the history of the Ratana faith and those who proudly wear the red blazer. JJ Lewis explains.
2: I at least try and practice at least twice a week at home, so I keep myself sharp. Well, that's, well, that's what drummers in will say, sharp and ready, boy, sharp and ready. And that's through all uh, ngari or drummers. Whether you're playing the side drum, whether you're playing the bass drum, it's sharp and ready. Because, you know, if one of our drummers are out, and there's been a lot of times of that, um, where our drummers are out,
3: kaka. <laughs> <laughs> JJ entered Te Reo when he was just 16 years old. That was back in 1996. But is there a prerequisite? Well, for starters, you had to know how to read music.
2: Uh, that was a precondition in my family.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't speak for other real members, but in my family, alone, that's what it was because that's how my grandfather taught my uncles and aunties and my mum, and heaven taught Heaven taught my a lot of other members too. And that's that's the way, it's like, read music first before you... It's pretty much learn to crawl before you walk. Yes, I was a bit shocking at the start, you know, being new, and and play right in a march, I'm either going too fast or too slow. And then, but, you know, it comes with experience, and, well, 22 years later, I'm still here, so... It was just a dream come true because, to me, I was brought up around it, my family was all within it, and it felt, as a Māorehu, it's like it, it felt like I wanted to do a duty to our people, service the mōrehu and iho.
3: Christine Hiremea is the bandmaster, a job she stepped into about a year ago. With links to tour, she grew up at Hamwera pa. Her job is complex. She has to organise the members at all the big events on the Rātana calendar, but perhaps becoming bandmaster was always on the cards for Christine, who has, in many ways, followed the steps of her late father.
5: My father was one of the original um, members of Haamura back in 1935. He was only a boy then, when it was revived again in 1962. He was asked to be the bandmaster then, um, until he passed away in 67. Harmuera has been in my life right from the beginning. We would always come back here for kaupapas or whatever um, Harmuera is taking part in, or even for Fakamui Uh So that's always been, you know, Harmuera has always been been a part of my life. Um, so today uh, we are having Fakamui here at Motio Harmuera Park, um, and everybody's starting together to come for our
3: humanity. Christine describes the role of Te reo or Hamuira.
5: You know, because we get a phone call from an opposite or say hey um, somebody's passed away can that I'll come so then I've got to organize everybody um, to attend to the to the tangihanga and if we can make it even to the nihu. Uh, so that means organizing everybody, picking out music that we're going to be playing for those uh, for those whakamoe miti and organising the practices and also our class for our learners as well
3: Band members start young many are still at intermediate or even primary school For Christine, young band members ensure the reo is kept strong She talks about the work of her predecessor
5: Well Stephen had a talent of being able to teach those young like her even um, soldier who was six, even some of the yeah, I, I can't do that <laughs> my patience isn't that good, but um, yeah, so I've kind of made it a rule that they have to be ten ten years now Which is still quite young yes, but they're more easier to teach Kia ora te reo te ha muira,
3: the ratana band from Motio Pā. And you'll also find a video of my coverage at Pukitapu. You can head to rnz.co.nz forward slash Tā Moko series continued this year with an insight into the work of Moko artists around the country. Karanga Inc. owner Pip Hartley runs her own Moko studio in downtown Auckland. A common thread between all of the artists that featured on Tiahika is that they have either studied or learned the art form over a number of years. Many now travel the globe or run their own small business. When did you first start to put your so-called, you know, needle to skin? Well, I think it was really, um, the first steps were, apart from drawing a lot and trying to, you know, understand the process and the hygiene factor and everything behind, um, you know, applying ink, it was, um, also understanding te ao Māori, because there was a lot of catch-up to do, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just, um, trying to understand Narangi and all the Atua and, um just going through a process of that but that was the beautiful thing about travelling with um, my Tonga is that um, we were in close quarters so we could actually we had that time to have that kōrero and that wānanga so yeah I was I felt really blessed to have I had that journey. Julie Palmer-Pingali owns Art and Body at the Mount. From time to time she hosts international tattoo artists. Julie describes some of the art displayed on the walls, including pieces from her
1: studies. I was looking at Māori portraits and Māori portrayed smoking and Māori faces on the front of tobacco and, and kind of the texture of the um, the rust mixed with shellac kind of gave that tar when I created the exhibition, I had like the works in a, in a like a fuddy duddy type space.
3: In the early 1990s, Julie was part of the resurgence of Moko. Julie talks about that time.
1: To put it in perspective, I kind of understand in a way too. I understand um, all the barriers, and um, that doesn't make it any easier. But um, obviously, I had my own as well. Mm. You know, often it would determine how I behaved and how I um, put other people forward instead of myself but some of the artists would kind of say when are you going to do it? When are you going to do Mukul Sis? When are you going to do it? Because I was always in it and I stretched for a long time, you know, I stretched the skin and assisted. Oh right, you so you Yeah, so um, Rangi was doing a job and I stretched quite a lot in it and you know, people would always ask me because I'm always in the art arena, when are you going to do it Sis? And then when I did, they were like, what? You're, you're doing more on men and I'm like well you were just flashing really private pictures of women and you kind of have a problem with me doing it on men and then, and then there's always people will vocalise their support but by their actions won't be supportive now I see being a woman in it as, as an advantage I feel like um, people are more trusting in a little bit and I don't know I mean in our studio we have all women it's more about our client than ourselves um, and I find the energy kind of back then was you know it's all in revival and you know go yeah. go and you need that sort of go go yeah. to um, do it but now things are settled and and everyone's worked out their own sort of modus operandus you yeah. know um, and people have choices about how they choose how to go and receive more course so but still, um, I think within the tattoo industry, you know, there's a lot of sexism. You know, I've had responses to images, like people, you know, criticise them online and saying, oh, a woman never got that. Where did you get that information from? And, and so I've continued to have to validate the practice for other women as well. But luckily, look, there's a, there's a number of women. I mean, we've talked about a few, but there's, you know, there's probably at least 20 women... Um, doing moko. Not far
3: from downtown the Mount is a small community of Matapihi. Near Waikare Marais, Stuart MacDonald is working on finishing his studio, Wanamoko. Stu has worked as an artist for over 20 years and has travelled the world sharing the art of moko. But he says it's also a space to teach others. Te caught up with Stu at his home earlier this year
6: you come back to your artist too, the more mana that has, you know so when you lie down, obviously the mana between you and the person doing it and getting mm. it is huge you know, but now it's like walk in a shop, get one and walk away yeah, yeah. so even when we're up here that's the reason why we've sort of come home too yes. so we don't have to worry about things, cause things like leases you know, did, you, what, also,
3: did you want yeah. to get out of that hole? Yeah, we're sort um, of
6: motivated by that eh? especially in my own town, like I've got one down south I'd rather do it properly or the best I can with my own. If I can't do it any if I can't do it at home you can't do it anywhere. So if I can't look after Mona then I can't look after the Tonga around Old then I can't do it around the world, you know, because that's what I noticed. I went around the world and came home and I realized that no matter where I went in the world, like there was only actually gonna be a few people that I could influence and say, look, don't do it like that. If you're gonna do it, do it like this, you know? So, I'll have artists emailing me from all over the world going, Bro, should I use this mark? Bro, should I use this mark? And then, even some people will go, Ah, don't give me your Maturanga to them, you know? But then I'm like, But then that's only me losing that, you know? It's only my Maturanga, but then it's the Tonga, mm. you know? Like, it's my Tonga. It's, it's
3: power and m- sharing.
6: My Tonga is way more than me, you know? And the Tonga will be here when I'm gone. But I'd, I'd come home and I'd talk to the old ones, even my grandmother, who was sort of my like my guide, would often question. Why I mm-hmm. would we'll go all the way over the world just to <laughs> see someone for two weeks to say, "Now don't do it like that. Do it like this," you know.
3: Is this your fellow Māori artists overseas yeah. doing
6: it? Oh, no, no. Like even I've got oh. a lot of European friends because that's what I mean. Eh? They've you, you you'll oh, get doing
3: tarmlaw and You
6: get a Norwegian who can do Asian, Tahitian, Māori, Samoan. <laughs> they can do it all because eh? it's all on the internet. And these guys are awesome artists. They can do anything. You know, paint anything, draw anything.
3: So, these so, are the people that you're yeah. going to insane.
6: He yes, I'll just travel and I'll meet them and I'll see them at conventions right, and you. they'll be doing it and I'll just say, Oh, do you know what you're doing? Do they feel shy when- <laughs> Oh, some do and some don't. Yeah, some are like, Nah, man, it's just part of the industry, bro, you know? But uh, interesting, I had an Italian, with my father, one day and oh, man, he drove me out the wall. And I, and, I, and I must admit, I was damning him when I left, but when the next day he came back and you know. True, so had a dream.
3: Yeah,
6: come back the next day and he was like, oh, I'm never going to do it again. Here, here's all my pictures. I was like, I didn't, I didn't say that, bro. I was just saying, you should educate yourself before you do it, you know, because all those markings have philosophies and names and the ancient men and people have worn them on their bodies for over hundreds of years. So Is they've this actually right got Street? energy. Is this oh, yeah.
3: With, with social media, though, do you feel like you can share, get more information out there to better educate yeah, people? Yeah, well,
6: we're sort of just sort of starting on a small level, eh, you know? Mm. Like, that's the only thing with the social media, though, where it's not you, mm. You know, there's nothing like kanoe to kanoe. Yes, yeah, Sometimes yep. you just got to get up and go, you know? I haven't gone for a few years and the cousins just stopped going, but we've got young artists now that sort of do the convention scene for us and sort yes. of uphold that part of it. Because I found when I had a shop over here, we were getting caught up with leases and marketing and promos and all well, this sort of thing. Stuff
3: that it takes to run a business. To eh? run a business, see, yeah.
6: you know. And not and not saying that you can't do it the other way, but you know you need certain luxuries <laughs> so you can do it. You mm. know, like being able to do it in your house. And I suppose that's why I should be thankful to my wife. You know, she's been a rugby widow or moko widow, and, mm. and now she's just surrounded by people every day from having me <laughs> not here all the time it's like me my cousins my little brothers yeah. my sisters and, getting and cousins. getting that separation
3: of business and home life eh? no, yeah, really yeah, yeah. a little bit disruptive I suppose.
6: Yeah 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 and yeah. just trying to find that balance eh? so it's life for eh?
3: you. McDonald. From to rungoa Māori, medicinal tonics and balms made from native plants. Lee Tane grew up in the King Country and from a young age he saw his grandmother use native plants to treat cuts and bruises. The former police officer and father, Lee's son, developed severe eczema, and both he and his wife Trina turned to Rungwa Māori. Their skincare range, NOAA Essentials, is made in the home, and he has a sight set on exporting to international markets.
7: All our products are made from natural organic ingredients. So we source all the extracts, all the native plant extracts, we make those ourselves, so we, we gather the leaves, making the, the extracts through different processes and provide a, a range of things for you know, in terms of health and beauty and healing. When I was younger, when we got... Um, as we do with children, we used to run around and get a few scrapes and cuts and stuff. My grandmother would use different plants... Use those to help heal our, our sores and cuts and I didn't really see the value of being so young, I didn't see the value and then I look back now and I wish I'd paid more attention actually.
3: Today he works as an environment advisor for Waikato Tainui. But the impetus to set up a small business came about because of Lee's son, who suffered from severe eczema as a toddler.
7: It looked like he was a burn victim, truthfully, and, oh, and people, you know, would look at him and stare. Um, and we tried every conventional steroid creams, and and we found that I think worked or didn't work for very long. And we um, very quickly looked at thought about natural remedies. So we tried natural things, and and we thought, well, even better than that, let's look at go further back and look at what we use traditionally as rongoa. And and as I said, he's now 19, so um, we've been using um, and making these kind of things for a very long time now, and we would just use those and share with friends, family and friends. Traditionally, we um, would have used mainly our rongoa as either a a poultice, so using the leaves or bark uh, on the skin, um, and a poultice, was a white arco, so you would drink uh, like a green a green leaf tea. My aunties and uncles, they had that growing up, and my own children have tried it, so they understand how to make it and what it tastes like and what it does. And what I saw and learned when I was younger, and how they uh, still have that value, that unique value today. People are now um, more aware of what the mainstream pharmaceuticals and medicines and what chemicals they. May have and they want something natural. I think there is a shift now um, for people looking more so for natural remedies. Mm.
3: So then, when we talk about Pharmaceuticals and Western Medicine, of course, you have studied medicinal properties in the form of Mm. science and and education. Mm. Can you walk us through that, Lee, how you took on that formal training?
7: I enrolled at Waikato uh, University to do a Bachelor of Science, and the focus of my study was plants. So understanding the... How plants work, the structure of plants. I'm only a focus on our native plants. Mm. So I was quite lucky, fortunate when I started to look, to move back to, to learn more about Rongo, that I already had that background, knowing our native plants and understanding a bit about how our plants work.
3: So can you rattle off a few of those native plants?
7: Manuka, kānuka, which are very popular now, especially with manuka honey. Yes. And other the properties that um, that those plants have, the those rongo plants possess. You've got the kawakawa, which is probably the, one of the more well known as well. You know the kauri and the rimu and all those um, the native hardwoods and a kakatea, just looking at how, um, you know, the differences between native plants and um, exotic plants, non-natives, just how they work in terms of how they produce their their own energy through photosynthesis, how they take or transfer uh, water and other minerals from the soil to the plant. For me now with... um, Looking at what we're doing, um, I'm really interested in looking at Ma and Ma and where those meet with um, Western science.
3: Kiara Li Tane. Throughout the year we've covered kaupapa or stories that relate to te reo Māori, the Māori language. We met Pat Old, a fibre artist who was inspired to learn the language after she attended her daughter's wedding, held on a marae, and she couldn't understand what was being said. A skilled weaver, Pat also graduated with a degree in Māori art. And as a Pākehā woman, her Fano, well actually most of her kids, are learning te reo Māori. Her mokopuna attend kōhanga So she made it her mission to learn it too. So you're sitting there and you want to
4: know what's happening. And you can probably guess by the actions. But... Uh, yes, there was a lot of animated <laughs> discussion, but honestly <laughs> I was feeling um, somewhat yeah, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it was really interesting, and they were lovely folk. It was a very big wedding, and um, it was a very hot day. I thought, nah, I've got to learn uh, te and learn more of, the, um, more of the traditions. I'm a South Islander. Growing up in rural Nelson, I didn't really know... Um, didn't see Māori around. Did you feel like a fish out of water? I did a bit, but there were a lot of other Pākehā at that time studying as part of their teaching degree, so in the same class. I I do find the wānanga style of learning a lot easier now that I'm studying over here. We're more of a whānau unit in class.
3: What do you most enjoy about learning the language and what's really struck a chord with you?
4: I think the way that the the kupu, the language, is tied in and tied in with fakatoki, with the way of life of Māori. And I go on to the Marae. There are special traditions and, and words to do with every aspect of life on the marae. Oh, I, I just really enjoy the community and the people I learn with. Mm-hmm. For te putake tanga um, and our tutor is um, Eugene Timura. Uh, he's great. Yeah, we, it is a um, rumaki class full immersion most of the time um, and I try really hard to understand what's being said <laughs> and it doesn't always work and I can sometimes say the wrong thing but Eugene tells us, well, if if we're making mistakes then we're in the right place because we're here to learn. So, yeah. Kiaona Pat Old, a Te Reo Māori student
3: from Tauranga. That's the show for the week and indeed the year. A special mention to those of you who have availed your time to be part of the Kaupapa, that is Tiahikar. Uh, also, Hemehi Tene uh, kia Koutou katoa, to the engineers of the Wellington Operations Room and, of course, the Christchurch based uh, RNZ office, uh, Alex Harmer, our regular engineer. Hemehi Nunuitine Kiao Kue. Kaitoa Tukitera Iteiwe e kia Paita Whakataa, whatever you've got planned for the summer break, I hope you have a fantastic a holiday and, of course, time with your Fano. Te returns next year. Engari wā nā mihi nui. Kia katoa. kona mai.
8: So you're gonna be taken, babe. Walk in the street like a superstar. The craziest things you'll see. What's y'all feeling? Oh, it's time to change. See all the